Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. This week, it's episode 51. This week, we're talking to Ali Egan. She's the founder and CEO of Veracity Self-Care. And when she's not kicking down doors in her office, she's <laughs> making the time to run marathons and raise a family. Today, we're going to be talking about balance. We're going to be talking about self-care, and we're going to be talking about grit. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, Allie. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Allie, it's, uh, it's great to have you. You know, we're, uh, we're really excited because, you know, Dave and I run the risk with our podcast of having a lot of people who sort of look like each other, you know, the next ultra runner who ran a backyard race or took on a 24-hour race or something like that. But, you know, that's not just one, the only form of sort of inspired living. You know, there's a, lots of choices that any of us can make along the way. And, you know, Often when we're talking to a world-class athlete, we always say to them, so what was it like growing up? You know, who was Dave in high school? Did he run on the track? So maybe we'll start the same way, Allie, because look, if we look at where you are today, amazing accomplishments. I mean, you know, like great schools, great work, athletic achievements, all that, but it started somewhere else. Like when you were a kid, did you sort of have a view of what you wanted to become? How did it sort of develop, you know, maybe where you grew up? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, nice to see you, Joe. Um, so I grew up, um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and I would say uh, my, like, maybe it's a little bit more reflecting back, but uh, I never had a, a like specific, I want to be X, Y, Z and only X, Y, Z, or I want to do um, ABC and only ever do that. Um, and it's both been like a blessing and a curse in my life. I think I, from a very young age, I was always just, just super excited to try and do everything. I remember, um, passing, uh, the sign at the local, um, uh, you know, kids soccer sign up. And I was begging my mom to, to let me sign up. Um, and, uh, you know, you couldn't until you were five. So I think I begged her for a whole year until like, she was actually allowed to, to sign me up. And, um, and then I just sort of dove in head first. And I, I, I seriously, I actually remember this as a five-year-old being frustrated, trying to play like peewee soccer. And I was like, you know, going after the ball and, um, there were, you know, other kids like just sitting on the ground, like picking grass and what have you. Um, but I think, you know, my biggest reflection is just, I, I just wanted to get out there and try a bunch of stuff and do a, do a bunch of different things. So, uh, you know, in high school, I was like always a three sport athlete and, also cared about academics and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I think that well-roundedness um, hopefully has led me to, you know, what I'm doing now and kind of merging a whole bunch of different worlds together. Yeah, we'll get to the, that in a second. Did you have any strong influences um, as you were growing up in high school or in college who were helping guide you, coach you, you know, sort of mentor you? Um. I would say not like one specific like person or, uh, or influence or what have you. Um, I think, uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I, um, I, I probably got like a good work ethic from, from my dad. I mean, I just remember him like totally different. He's not really an athlete. He kind of had a, a knee injury when he was 20 years old and has affected him since. Um, 
but you know, he was that type of guy who was like up first thing in the morning, uh, doing stuff, whether it was like household chores or whatever. And then, you know, last to sort of go to bed at night and just, you know, just kind of making sure he got everything done. I think that sort of, um, instinct definitely, you know, definitely just allowed me to, to push, push past discomfort in, in different areas and, and hopefully, you know, start to achieve some things, um, you know, in high school, college, et cetera. Yeah. So, so your father, I mean, so tell me a little bit more about him. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe something specific, like one characteristic uh, that really stands out that was something that he did every day that um, was, you know, something about resolve or something about resiliency or consistency. Um, I know a lot of, you know, young women look up to their fathers and say, my father got up every day and went to work. And I know that sounds like that's something that that all dads do, but not all dads do that. And that creates really quite a lot of resiliency and later on in life. Is there, is there any one thing that you could say, my dad always did this, or he seldom never did this? He was always there to support any endeavor that I wanted to do. He wasn't necessarily an expert and wouldn't like, you know, he would have no idea how to tell me about like how to perfect my, I was, I played basketball in high school, like how to perfect my, you know, uh, free throw, but like he would, you know, be there to drop me off and pick me up mm-hmm. and all that. And, and the other thing um, uh, that I think, and, you know, and I'm trying to reflect upon this myself as a new parent is just mm-hmm. that sort of like emotional consistency. Like, uh, you know, he's a very right. level headed guy. And I think as, as kids and, you know, me, just me personally, I'm a passionate person. And, um, and you know, having that source that was never, never too excited, but never, but always happy and, and always, you know, sort of, uh, gave me good advice was, is, is just a really nice grounding feature to have, um, you know, growing up and into adulthood. Yeah. And I think support is, is, it's one of those things that's really not, you know, viewed upon as being as powerful as it is, but the lack of support. Um, is yeah. really, really detrimental to a lot of people, especially when they drive into business and athletic pursuits as you're getting into your 20s and 30s. W- would you agree? Yeah, well, I think it's the basis for confidence and confidence is yes. really like, and I don't mean confidence in the sense that like, I think my, you know, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say bad words, but if I can't, you know, oh, yeah. I don't think my shit Bring stinks and, and, <laughs> and what have you. And, and, you know, I think about this a lot as a, a female entrepreneur that like, you know, we get wraps one way or the other is too docile or too hardcore. Um, but really like confidence is the root of what allows you to take risks and do big things. Um, and, and sort of the realization that like, you, you know, you may not, um, sort of know the the map and you can't see the whole route, but you can sort of start out on your adventure. And, and um, that is a really important thing to instill, you know, in ourselves and then to reinstill constantly. Like I, I constantly have to think about like, um, you know, times where I'm like, wow, I, I didn't necessarily have as much confidence as I should have in myself about this. Mm-hmm. And so um, sort of constantly reflecting upon that, I think, um, has helped me, um, hopefully become a better leader and, you know, entrepreneur. You know, I'd characterize it this way. And, uh, I was given credit, but Alex Honnold, who climbed up El Cap without a rope, you know, in, um, he said that the difference between risk and consequences, so risk probability, right. Of something happening yeah. consequences, the magnitude of what happens if it goes wrong. When you have support in your life, you might have high risk, but low consequences. And when you have low consequences, you'll do a lot more. 
And so mm-hmm. if you practice in life or have people who will be there for you, often you never even use it, by the way. It's just knowing yeah. that the consequences are low, you'll go do like, well, so what if I'm an entrepreneur? What's the worst thing? You know, my, my dad and my family will still love me and I still got that. I could go move in the basement kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, right. it, if it's not there, then you feel like it's high consequence that the risk would then turn into something tragic. But the yeah. circumstance is exactly the same. It's only how we perceive it. And so it is really an important element of what we give to each other is sort of that I got your back and knowing that people in your life are sincere and true to that. I'm sure you felt that because like being an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, I've done it myself a number of times. Um, you know, you got to sort of be a little bit stupid in a way because it's like <laughs> yeah, high risk, very high risk. But, you know, this totally. world could be low consequences. Like, did you think, we'll come back to some of the athletic stuff in a while, but talk about like, how did that sort of set you up to be an entrepreneur and take on some of these big risks yourself? Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's, it's been a journey for me, um, both having, you know, the sort of emotional safety net that you were just kind of referencing, as well as like, you know, being completely honest, I think, um, it is it, it, like, so look, I went to, you know, UVA undergrad, and then I worked in, in finance and, and um, at a very reputable um, private equity firm. And then I went to Harvard Business School. And like, you know, part of that part of my journey was proving to myself mm-hmm. that I could do these things and achieve yeah. these things. And I think I talk when I when I try to mentor uh, younger folks, I, I try to um, bring this point home, there is that point in your life where you need to be growing that confidence and investing and sowing those seeds, whether that's, you know, building relationships with friends or getting the educational accolades and experience you need. But then there's a time in your life where you've sort of sown, it doesn't mean you stop like planting seeds, but it means you can start sort of harvesting what you, what you have. Um, And so, you know, what I tell a lot of like um, younger folks coming out of Harvard business school, I'm like, you know, you've, you've got the pedigree now, like you should, you should not be in the business of, of resume building. You should be in the business of like, of doing something cool with that resume. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think now I've been lucky enough to be at the point in my career where I can say like, look, I have these great things to fall back upon because like, hopefully no one thinks I'm an idiot or I don't know what I'm doing, even if this doesn't work out entirely. Um, but, but I do think that it's important for, for leaders to be honest about like needing to get to that point where you do have, cause I think not to go on a tangent here too much, but you know, there's whole like millennial Gen Z thing where, where people think that they have a, you know, they want, they want what they want from age 22. And that can't be the case either. Um, mm-hmm. Just like you can't run a, you know, a three hour marathon. Well, most people can on their first try. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, things do take time and then later on, maybe they look easy. Mm-hmm. So Ali, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I'm 35. 35. Okay. Yeah, you bet. So you and I are in the same kind of age category. I'm, I'm 40. I shouldn't say that because that makes you sound a you know, a lot older, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I think so, I just so, went up in the age brackets for, for competition for running. So I'm probably, we probably are in the same. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, qualifying yeah. For, for Boston and things gets a lot easier from, from, from here on in. Right. And so, so when you were 20, 25, 30, you know, did you always knew that you were going to be, that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or did you, did you just really want to test out different buckets? 
I didn't always know I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I would say um, the the drive to do something new, different, cool, not just to like take, you know, a great cushy job and be happy with that forever. Like that has always been a part of me and I always thought it could be. Um, but like, in a, as you, Joe definitely knows, like it's hard freaking work. So you got to make sure whatever specific entrepreneurial uh, endeavor you're going after, like you really feel that passion, both from a business opportunity perspective, but also from a personal passion. And I've, um, and I can go into it more, but I've been lucky enough where I, you know, the, the genesis for, for my business was from my personal experience, um, sort of health journey. Um, and so I'm able to, to now see, you know, and then obviously there's a business opportunity there too. Um, and so for me now, it's like, it, it's like the thing that's worth it. Um, so, so didn't always see it, but was lucky enough, I guess, through, through bad, then good circumstance to, to be in a place where, um, where, uh, where I wanted, you know, it's something I wanted to actually build myself. Yeah. So let's dig in a little bit on that, uh, Allie and Tell us a little bit, because the journey is interesting. It's a big part of your story and the struggle was real. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, let's hear. Yeah. And Joe, I don't even know if I told you all this, but, um, you know, so long, longish stories short on the, the back end. Um, I, you know, I had been working um, after uh, going to business school and kind of transitioning from the finance world to to working um, on op- actual operating businesses and brands. I had been um I'd been working in skincare at Estee Lauder companies, uh, worked at three of their big brands. Um, and then I got an amazing opportunity, which was also very entrepreneurial to, um, to run a fashion brand that I had known and loved um, called Cynthia Rally, which um, I, I, was, I was loving. Um, but uh, sort of in this professional uh, success, I was going through some personal stuff, which then was the inspiration for Veracity. And, um, you know, uh, ultimately, um, you know, there's a lot of confounding factors, but, uh, ultimately like I started having these skin issues, like, so out of, out of the blue, I started getting these like dry flaky patches, um, that I couldn't like figure out what, like where they come from, what was happening. So, uh, you know, I saw my dermatologist a few times. I of course was trying to research and Google everything myself and self-diagnose and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically both what my doctor and Google told me, they were like, oh, you have contact dermatitis. Like something is irritating your skin. Just stop using this soap, moisturizer, et cetera. And like, you'll be okay. Um, and so I tried that. I literally stopped like washing my face and using anything. It was really quite gross. Um, and, uh, and, and like essentially uh, nothing came true as the culprit. And so I went through this experience where I like dealt with this skin problem for three and a half years. Um, and it wasn't until what seemed completely unrelated. I was, uh, at that point then trying to start a family with my husband and, uh, we weren't having success. So, um, I went into the fertility doctor for, um, fertility related hormone testing and, um, basically right away, uh, they uncovered that I had uh, an issue with my thyroid that was also like affecting my estrogen. And, and ultimately, you know, the reason why I was having trouble, uh, getting pregnant, um, I was started doing a ton of research on myself to sort of figure out like what this meant for me. Um, and you know, so I have Hashimoto's, which is a, a form of hypothyroidism. Um, 
so I started reading into the, the medical research and learned that it's like very well established that, um, uh, that hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's like one of the symptoms is these dry flaky skin patches. And, and it was sort of like the beginning of like an aha moment for me where I was like, wow, like this is very well known. And I'm seeing a doctor, like I've worked in the skincare world and yet I don't have the resources at my hands to, um, understand what that like means for my skin, how to treat it. And then more importantly, like what that meant for my underlying health and how that was affecting my fertility. And like, it was ultimately so frustrating because, um, you know, once I got my Hashimoto's diagnosis, I, you know, went on, uh, medicine and changed my diet, like through self-education, like I started reading a ton of books, realized, uh, gluten is a very known, um, uh, sort of thyroid mimicking, um, substance. So, uh, people with, um, thyroid problems like gluten is, is inflammatory and, and makes your body essentially think it has thyroid hormone that it doesn't have. Um, so I cut out gluten, um, from my diet and, um, you know, have never had the skin issue again. Uh, and it just like on the fertility side, it was just so, um, upsetting. Cause I really do believe that if I had known three and a half years before that I had had this like issue and condition, like there's a ton of things you can do sort of naturally to, to again, medicine, diet, et cetera, to sort of support that and get yourself into a place. Cause thyroid hormone is like one of the most essential for like, you know, mm-hmm. metabolic function and, and maintaining a pregnancy. Um, but I didn't know these things. And so then I ended up like, I, well, I had multiple miscarriages. I had to go through IVF, like the whole, the whole deal. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just really became my like personal purpose to say like, look, there's, uh, the skin is an amazing thing because like, you know, a lot of women care obviously about, and men, uh, you know, care about what they look. And it's quite honestly, just like the first place you honestly notice changes, right? Cause you're looking at your face every single day and yet no companies or brands out there are actually like giving you the tools to connect the health side of the largest organ in your body to um to both aesthetic uh improvements as well as like understanding your underlying health and so that's ultimately what i was like wow that we can actually do something really different and and that's what we're trying to do um with veracity yeah, it's really uh, uncovering or, or, or discovering, I guess, a, a need in the market, but also a need within yourself. And, you know, you, Ali, you're not, you know, too much different than Joe or, or myself. Um, you know, I think that, you know, self-discovery when it comes to everything, um, you know, I think that Joe can go on about two or three different things that's going on with him right now when it comes to to stress or, or having, having, you know, not, not aging, of course, not Joe, but, um, <laughs> but, but definitely me. Um, but you know, when, when it comes to all these different things and you start to go down that rabbit hole and yeah. the things that you think that you knew, you don't really know anything about. And it, it means that you need to dig in and you need to discover that yourself. Um, you, so, right. so you, you, this, this process, is this still ongoing? Do you, do you find, have, have you had some resolve when it comes to, a lot of your hormone issues, uh, you know, kind of balancing that, that balancing act. Yeah. So I've actually, I mean, I've, I've had a, a ton and part of, and, and Joe and I started to talk a little bit about this, but you know, I, look, I can never, like, because of the, the time, like I can never know exactly what led to my hormonal imbalance issues exactly. Um, but like, look, I was, I was a super competitive athlete at the time, right before I was trying to get pregnant. I, 
almost ran a three hour sub three hour marathon, I think three times in like, you know, a very short period of time. Um, so I was training really, really hard. Um, and, um, I, you know, I felt great. I didn't, you know, I, I, I like prided myself. I ate well, took care of myself, went to bed early, all these things. Um, but when, you know, it came, um, uh, you know, this is a personal like, uh, discovery of mine that like, um, we can't all just assume that, especially for women, that what works for athletic health is the same thing that works for health, you know, every day or every season of our life. So while I was this like super healthy person um, and like, you know, all my stats from like a longevity standpoint would have probably been off the charts. If I had had the tools to measure sort of my like reproductive wellness, like it was horrible. I had like, it was like basically no, my, I was not producing like any progesterone. I was not ovulating. Um, I was, and I didn't know this cause I was on birth control. So like, you, mm-hmm. you know, women don't have these tools to understand, um, you know, the sort of vital sign that is like menstrual health. Um, so and I don't know if it was some predisposition or some combination of my athletic, you know, performance. And, um, it's probably, you know, health is complicated. So there's not normally like one specific thing, but I, mm-hmm. I was definitely not, you know, in a place. And so, um, by, by figuring this stuff out, like I've been able to, um, you know, since having, um, uh, my son, like, look, I was worried, uh, that would I be able to like run again? What, what should my weight be? All those kinds of things. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing what your body can do. Um, and, um, I think just as, especially as women, what I want to help like others discover is like, just understanding where you're at now and what your goals are like as a, as a person, both health wise and, and life wise. Um, and then making choices, um, to support those. Um, and I just, but I think it all starts with like knowing, just having information about yourself, right? Because as much as cool as Google is, it allows you to go on these, like, uh, you know, rabbit holes, yeah, like, yeah, these rabbit holes that don't actually always, um, make sense. So like I, I reading all about wellness, so I should, you know, mm-hmm. eat this, do this, whatever. But like, it wasn't talking to me about the wellness that I was trying to achieve at that point in time. And that's where I think, you know, is, is the, the, the there's a lot missing and a lot to be desired, especially for, you know, female health. We should jump into veracity in a second, but <clears throat> first as that's really great to hear and understand because we we make a lot of assumptions, you know, whether it's about the truth of Google or the infallibility of the doctor or about the state of medicine, or, you know, Dave has a son who has rare disease in Canada and he's been on a mission to try and bring attention to rare diseases in Canada because it's one of the, you know, sort of the Western states that doesn't really folk, Western countries doesn't focus on rare disease the mm-hmm. way it should. And so they've put years into trying to help in a circumstance where there's pretty good healthcare. But I think what's important is that you took responsibility for yourself and made yourself accountable to figuring it out, even if the system wasn't going to help you. Uh, because there are solutions. I think we do know that there, the body can heal. And it, when it's not working, it's not working usually for a reason. And we may not yeah. find that correlation in our head as to the causality or the correlation between that. And so being aware, the other part that I find maybe you'd had some experiences, 
sometimes it's other people who have been through it who are our best resource. You know, trying to get into a community of people who might have the same issue because maybe they found out one part and you find out another part and you can build it together. Does that sort totally. of also connect back to veracity? Because then we have this sort of like, oh, we're creating community so we can share and we can have good essence. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. So just because I'm not sure if I said it, but like, you know, basically at Veracity, we're, we're a beauty and wellness platform that's really trying to do something differently by, um, you know, giving women the tools um, to make the best um, personal decisions for their skin and, and, and health and beyond. Um, so we created um, what we call our skin and health test, which is an at-home hormone test. Um, you spit in a tube, um, you mail it back. Um, it's real, uh, you know, certified lab results reviewed by a physician. Um, and then you get a download on what it means for your skin health, what products you should be using, as well as sort of um, insights and recommendations on the underlying root causes. So it's not just like, here's your products, please buy them and, you know, come to us again. Um, but we talk to you about um, specific diet, lifestyle, supplement actions that you can take um, that are going to help to treat those underlying imbalances. Um, and the really cool thing is, to your point, is um, we can start, we can connect women who have similar results, whether it's um, hormone readings and skin problems, and they can start to share those learnings together um, because that is really where you get the, um, the biggest insights, right? Because like, we're not saying, okay, like, for, for example, like a big, um, you know, hormonal imbalance issue that also affects skin and women is, is PCOS. So polycystic ovarian, um, syndrome, which is, um, it's a combination of things, but essentially it's a dominance or excess of androgen or, or male hormones in, in women. And it causes, um, you know, issues with ovulation internally, but also can cause like acne and facial hair and all these types of things. And, you know, we're, our company is not, um, uh, you know, we're not a telehealth business. We're not trying to put you on uh, prescription medication to, to figure that out. But like, what we can tell you is, um, uh, well, A, we can tell you if you might be susceptible to it, right? So if you take our test and you are reading high testosterone and DHEA, that, that would be a great sign to be like, oh, I should actually go talk to my OB about it. Cause it's one of the most underdiagnosed diseases. I think I think they say like eight to 10% of women are diagnosed, but really probably 25 plus percent of women have it. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and so you can sort of get those resources and then connect with other women because the, it's not, it's not a, um, a one plus two equals three kind of condition, right? It's complicated. Mm -hmm. It manifests itself in women differently and people experience some symptoms and not others. And, and you, you know, sometimes have to personally troubleshoot through some of the, um, you know, the solutions, because there are a ton of women who've had success sort of like naturally healing from PCOS. Um, but it's not necessarily like a one size fits all. So I think it's really cool that like, we can then connect those people to like, you know, give them some resources on information about themselves. We have um, on our website, we have like what we call the knowledge platform, which is written by independent journalists and talks about like basically um, issues related to hormonal health and skin. Um, and uh, so they can educate themselves on that and then they can connect with other women to be like, what, what did you actually do? <laughs> mm -hmm. So Ali, is one of your biggest issues, because this is where I, I kind of see you know, the world right now in 2021 um, is being the difference between good information and bad information, because there's a lot of information out there. 
And so, you know, the amount of times that people have come to me and said, hey, I've done my research, you know, and, and, and yeah. the problem with research is in order to do proper research, I need to go back to school for six years. Um, you know, the right average <laughs> person can't necessarily do that research. We can read other people's research, but the fact that, you know, that I might not know what I don't know is an issue, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so being, totally. having access to, 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 to supports like yours, um, do you find that that's a, a consistent issue where people will end up coming to you and say, whoa, 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 I read something completely different and it came from these seven doctors in Norway and on and so forth. Do you find that there's this conflicting research and information out there? And, and, and how, do you, um, how, how do you combat that? Yeah, well, that's a huge problem. I think to me, the biggest issue is not necessarily like conflicting because right, there's there's debates in health and science that are good mm -hmm. debates that are meant mm -hmm. to be had, right? Um, but what I think is problematic is that people, especially, you know, women in the consumer world, which is obviously the world I live in, um, you know, they see one post on Instagram that has like someone talking as an authority um, about something. They sort of assume that that is the, the end all be all like a great kind of random example is in, again, in skin, um, like there's a supplement called biotin, which is sort of like the Holy grail of skin, nails, and hair supplements. So if you want great skin, nails, and hair, you're supposed to take biotin. If you actually look at the medical research, it's very like clearly established in our, um, we have a physician advisory board, um, that we work with that has, you know, given us this information too. Um, if you actually look into it, like women with acne prone skin, like Biotin is really not great for, and it's been shown that it can actually like make acne worse. Um, so I think it's like, it's helping people filter through like, you know, maybe you can't just go on the first page of Google, like it's further down and, and it is nuanced. And, um, you know, I guess how we're trying to approach that is like, I think the source matters. And while there could always, of course, be conflicting sources, like we start our sort of sources with, um, our physician advisory team, which um, was very important for us to, to not just take a skin or dermatological perspective to everything. Cause that look, dermatologists are amazing. Some of the smartest people in the planet, right. But they're super specialized, right. They are like super specialized on the dermis and they're not given always great education about nutrition or hormones or all of these things related. So, um, you know, we've sort of melded these worlds with our physician team where we have, of course, a dermatologist, but also an OBGYN, endocrinologist, um, functional medicine doctor and nutritionist. And it's, it's like, it's marrying all those um, sort of worlds and areas of expertise together, which I think um, allows us um, to, to, to provide, you know, new information to people and then present it to it in a way that's, that's sort of digestible. Um, but it's, it is tough out there right now because there aren't a ton of um, good resources for mm -hmm. getting like a well-rounded um, perspective, which is why a lot of athletes, of course, like end up investing in their own nutritionists and these expensive solutions, right? Because there aren't sort of off the shelf um, good resources to go to. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's never that simple. And <clears throat> you've made your life even more complicated, right? You know, so you, <laughs> your mother, you're working on your own health issues. You have all this stuff going on, but I think that, you know, maybe in combination that gives it good purpose and, and, and North star that you have. 
let's let's talk a little bit more about you know veracity uh, for a second because I think it's it's interesting to think about where we've come now with uh, with health and beauty and that there's data that can really help people uh, yeah. because it's then it gets a less opinion oriented <clears throat> and if the models are good then yeah. we can guide uh, and you know, if we feel good about ourselves, we tend to have a better life. And so it's nice to be able to help people feel good about themselves. So tell us a little bit about how the platform works and how people benefit from it. Yeah, sure. So um, you, uh, you know, everything is built around our skin and health test, which is totally new, which I kind of mentioned, but it's the super simple saliva test. Um, and, uh, you know, people are able to get their actual biomarkers, like here's my estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, et cetera. Um, and then uh, we, I, I say to my team, we create this like new version of trust where we're not just saying, okay, like here's your output and here's your products. And this is just trust us. These are the best things for you. But we link um, the medical research to our recommendations in a way that makes sense for people. So, you know, for, for my example, like I have, I have low estrogen. Um, estrogen has uh, been proven to be linked to your body's ability to produce collagen and create a strong skin barrier. So then when we talk to her about like what her skin needs and the products and ingredients that are going to really drive results for her, we tie that to ingredients that are going to help um, boost that natural collagen stimulation. Um, and then we give her this sort of diet, um, uh, lifestyle. So exercise and, and supplement, um, recommendations that are going to support that underlying estrogen synthesis and hopefully, you know, sort of, um, minimize that imbalance in the future and, and create, you know, better skin and, and better health over, you know, over the long term. Um, so, so that's our, our main, you know, sort of product is our test. Um, and then we do have uh, a line of, um, skincare that we're actually launching next week. Um, so super excited about that, that uh, we've developed with a um, PhD in hormonal health. So, um, you know, it's our philosophy that like, look, I mean, we're all exposed to, I think there's estimates of up to 85,000 um, endocrine disrupting or hormone disrupting chemicals every single day. And that's from, you know, the glass cup you're using to the receipt you take at CVS to the, you know, the dryer sheets you throw in and just literally everything. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, you can, there's lots of activities you can take to try to minimize that exposure. Um, but one of the easiest is to not put additional sort of hormone disrupting chemicals on your face. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're really proud to, to be producing a line of skincare that like has real clinical results, but also is, is sort of verified hormonally safe. And that includes both um, chemical ingredients like um, phthalates and triclosans, which are like sort of very known toxic um, ingredients, but also natural ingredients that are also hormone disrupting like soy and la um, lavender and some other things that have been shown to actually um, affect, um, affect your hormone levels. Oh, cool. So yeah, really, really exciting stuff coming down the wire. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot of growth still that, 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 that you're looking at and your team and, 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 and hiring and, and, and driving new products. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. where do you kind of see, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, hopefully I see veracity being uh, sort of a household name. And I always say like to my, to my team, like, I really just want to change the way women think about like what mm -hmm. is right for them in sort of the world of beauty and personal care. So while women today, like, 
you know, they ask the, the, the woman who works at Sephora what they should be using, or they look at pictures on Instagram and see what looks cool. Like you should be starting with your health and then everything else should go from there. And so if we're able to at least like, you know, really have a change, you know, help at least some women have like that real change in mindset that like, I can do this, um, then we'll, you know, that will definitely be a success. Um, the other thing, like at a broader level, and I realize that us were asking won't be the only ones to, to do this is just in the world of hormonal health is just women have just been told so frequently, like just sort of like, oh, it's just hormonal. Like, you know, they're dealing with hormonal acne or they have cramps or whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. it's just hormones. And you're like, what does that mean? And like, or they're told like, here, take birth control, like, or take spirolactone. And it sort of like covers up essentially hormonal imbalances, but these are all like temporary fixes. They do not change underlying root causes or long-term mm-hmm. health. And, and they just sort of mask things. And I just, I just hope as, as all women and, and men too, you know, we can be given the resources to, to really just make progress rather than just be like dismissing or, or covering up um, these really important, like vital signs of our health. Yeah. Wow. That, that is, that's so, you know, uh, I think I'm a couple of years older than 40. So I have some different experiences, but you know, it was this basic club, you know, kind of approach that we used to have to medicine, right. And everything is the same, you know, either just take an aspirin or do something and, you know, but yeah. really is, it, we're finding, you know, and, and it sort of goes into the training that we can do as athletes, um, as well as how we live, all these choices, they, they make an impact. And I always felt that at least if you're informed, then if you choose, then you, whatever outcome you get, then at least, you know, why you did that, you know, like a hundred uh, percent, you know, <laughs> I gave up <clears throat> drinking alcohol about 15 years ago when it was affecting my training. You know, I could tell on my bike when I was doing Ironman stuff that if I had one beer, I could not get the same speed the next day. I was like, like off by a couple tenths of a mile per hour. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. that's, but I could figure that out. And it was a direct causal effect. And they found out later, you know, that it takes four days to get alcohol out of your liver. And if you're working on that, right. <clears throat> your body can't do everything else. Now, maybe that's not the optimization point for everyone. It doesn't matter. It's just that I liked knowing so I could make those choices. And I think the same for our skin or anything else, as long as we know what we're doing, rather than this sort of ignorant bliss that gets us to like, we sort of wonder why we didn't get where we wanted to in life. To take that sort of accountability. And I, I, that's what I like about what you're doing. It's, it's a big component, but really it's the theme that matters. Agreed. I think it's, it's just so powerful to like, you know, there's lots of people who might see your same stats, Joe, and be like, I don't care. I prioritize having those couple of beers and that's totally great. Like, and I think, but, but it's like being able to have that information, know, Hey, this is affecting my performance this amount, or this, this is what's going on. Um, And then you can just make those informed decisions. I think uh, just, it's, it's cool that we're a place with, you know, health and technology where we can like, where we can start to get some of those answers for ourselves. Yeah. So Ali, you know, when it comes to the optimization piece, you know, we, we kind of skipped over it briefly, but um, you know, you're, you're, you're an accomplished marathoner. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about that because <laughs> when it comes to kind of the, you know, the, you know, you, you, you break away from team sports in order to, to, 
you know, for self-optimization to, to, to do it yourself, you know, all the work that you put in comes back, you know, on the table to you. Um, yeah. How, how many years were you running marathons? Are you still running? Um, you know, what have you run? What were your times? You know, fill us in a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I've been a three sport athlete in high school and, um, and was, I don't know, kind of thinking about doing something in college, but like, I kind of had to make the trade off, like at that point where I wasn't so good enough to, to be, um, to go to the academic school I wanted to, and also, um, uh, do a D one sport. So I, I went to the university of Virginia undergrad, which obviously has an amazing athletics program. Um, and, but I decided like, look, uh, you know, academics make more sense. Um, but I was honestly kind of lost when I first showed up there because I had been in like such rigorous, um, you know, sort of training, formal group um, team mentality. And then here I was like, you know, going to the gym a few days a week and and just like kind of struggling to like find my niche and, and something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, luckily enough, in a very kind of weird world, um, one of my friends and, and roommates in college, um, had been a D1 athlete at Virginia. She was a, um, a field hockey player um, and had an, had an accident where she, she actually broke her jaw and, um, and you know, had the whole, the whole thing wired shut, couldn't play field hockey anymore. Um, so she started running and like basically took, took me out with her um, when we lived together and was like, why don't you just start, like go for this jog with me. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just started pretty casual. Um, and she was a pretty good runner, so it kind of forced me really quickly to to actually uh, do something, uh, you know, keep, keep up with her, I guess. Um, and uh, and then it ended up like she and I, I literally my first race was a 10 mile race in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, because she was like, hey, I want to run this. And I was like, OK, like here goes nothing. Um, and I had I had such like a amazing experience from that run. It just was sort of like addictive the addiction from there. And I started, um, I did a bunch of halves and then, um, you know, I think it's kind of crazy that, uh, that people kind of jump into full marathons as their first thing. Um, so I think I'm glad that I, I didn't do that immediately. Um, also didn't help that I was, uh, when I first started running, I was working in finance. And so like I was working these crazy hours and there was just like, no way I was going to be able to train for that. But as soon as I had the opportunity where my schedule is a bit more, predictable, let's say I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run. Um, I'm going to run my first, uh, marathon, which was supposed to be the, uh, the 2012, uh, New York city marathon, which I don't know if you guys remember, but that was the year of hurricane Sandy. Yep. Um, so I trained, I had trained for this marathon. I was like super pumped to run it. Um, and then, uh, and I was living in lower Manhattan at the time, uh, then not only like, did we, you know, was I not able to run it, but, um, you know, I was living without power. Like, it was just like, I was nuts. Like I was literally, we had like my husband at, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, but we, I remember we were in our apartment and we like packed a bag and just started like walking North on like the Island of Manhattan to like figure out where we could go. Um, so, so was supposed to run that, couldn't, um, was like, but I've put in all this training, I need to do something. Um, and so the, my first actual marathon was the Philadelphia marathon. I think like three weeks, um, later, you know, had gone in with the goal of running sub four, but had no idea like exactly what I could do. Um, I think if I remember right, I think I ran that in like 341 and like felt really good afterwards. And I was like, 
I was kind of like, man, I underestimated myself. I guess I should have had a more intense goal. Um, and sort of just sort of started seeding that fire. And I looked, I ended up looking at my um, Boston qualifying time and thinking, oh, well, I only have to get to 325. And I felt like I could do that. Um, so then my second race, I ran, I think the Providence marathon and qualified for Boston. Mm. Um, and then it just sort of started me on like a, a pinwheel of, um, of doing at least two marathons a year. So I think now I've done 12 qualified for Boston six times run it four times I qualified six times um run new york city three times and and sadly my best time is still 301 uh 30 or something um, no. so so, so almost close. have gotten there <laughs> yeah, yeah almost have gotten there hmm. but uh but not quite um so hmm. but have run i think three or four um sub 305 so just mm -hmm. definitely Definitely might uh, want to get there one day, but then, you know, ended up obviously wanting to start family. So like needing to, to take a little break from that level of intensity, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, want to, want to get back there, um, you know, when, when time is right. Well, you know what, Ali, you've got plenty of time. I mean, I look, you're a Joe and, you know, Joe's, you know, six years old and he's running 10 miles a day for how many, how many days in a, in, in a road, Joe? I don't know, 540 or something like that. Yeah, no, be no big deal, um, right? So longer so, yeah. than the podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The podcast has to catch up with Joe. I think that's that's our goal. Before, yeah, before we had this inspiration, before the COVID thing, which was like, oh, I should just do 100 days and then look what happens, you know. Uh, but I do think yeah. there's sort of, and you know, you'll probably have an impact on this. So we're redefining how to think about age and what's possible. Now you. You might lose your true top end speed as you get older, but the limitations that we're, you know, look, Phil Mickelson crushed it and won at 50 years oh, it was amazing. recently. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have Serena Williams who's playing, you know, crazy tennis. And, you know, you go through the list of, um, there was, there's a guy, Alessandro Valverde, who rides in the, the, he'll be in the Tour de France 41. He just won a stage in a race this past week. Like these guys are, you know, going against 20 year olds who, you know, yeah. their VO2 max is 90 and they're still competing. So I think we've sort of, at least if you want, you can break that mindset of uh, when you can start, you didn't have to start in high school and you can still have, a, you know, so you can do your sort of running for now. And then when your child's older or your son and maybe others, you can go back in marathon. And yeah, you can get under under three hours, if that's what you want to do, for sure. Get mm -hmm. a little, uh, totally. little coaching out of Dave here with some training plans, and we'll mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> we'll get you back out there. You know, actually, there's some marathons that are even easier. You know, you can run like a downhill marathon or something. So, downhill mm. marathons are are trickier than you think, or at least I need to find a good place to train for them because I I did run. And in trying to get sub three, I ran um, the Pocono Marathon in um, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, which is like, I, it's it's really downhill. There's like, a, you know, a couple of hills um, mm -hmm. ended up like crushing my quads. I think I was like 30401 or something like that. Um, but I got a, my personal best might be like a, um, like a either flat or, or slight rolling hills. Cause like, look, my best times, oddly enough, have been at Boston and New York, which, mm -hmm. uh, are two of the two of the harder marathons but um but yeah no I'm excited to I think I had this to be honest before when I knew I wanted to have kids and I had this like do or die mindset where I was like I have to get 
sub three before I start trying to have kids. And it was like, literally like the, it was, I, I ended up running, you know, a couple of marathons, four or five weeks apart, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, and in retrospect, I wish I, I wish I'd had more patience with myself for the long haul that like, mm. it wasn't sort of do or die, you know, cause I didn't even end up getting it anyway. Um, but, um, uh, but, you know, just sort of knowing that the journey is long and there, there's, even if I don't like ultimately, like I'm, I'm going to look at my son for the rest of my life and know mm. that that was ultimately like the right decision to make. Um, but I am excited to get back out there and, you know, like I'm still, I'm still working out now. I still run or, or bike every day. Um, but, um, but just moderate the intensity, uh, given sort of where I am or what I can do or what I have time for. Oh yeah, you bet. And, and Ali, I, I suggest as well to you, you go back in our podcast back to episode, I don't know, 25 or 30 and Callum Neff, um, go look him up. And he, he set the, the 10 K, the, half marathon in the, in the marathon uh baby stroller marathon world wow. records and i'll always remember it uh, he was he was at the front line and he had a video camera on the, on his stroller and he had his little two-year-old who was just singing and dancing and playing and and he was on the front in in the, in the front row with all these elite runners and all the guys yeah. were like hey buddy you know you should go to the back you know this isn't going to work yeah. out for you and he's like hey it's it's okay and he's polite and he was he was being a Callum because Callum was wonderful. And the yeah. guys were like, well, hey, you know, we don't want to be clipped. We're, we're going to be running this certain pace, buddy. And he's like, you know yeah. what? I'm just going to go to the side and it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to, we're going to be okay. And it was the greatest video because Guinness World Records made him have to record this video. And as, you know, of course, his daughter's singing, do, 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 do. And she doesn't know, she doesn't understand sarcasm. She's two years old. And so yeah. as he's running by these guys who are actually being quite rude to him, they, the little girl was like, have a nice day, have a great run. And, and you're like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was awesome. You know, just drop, drop yeah. the mic. So, so yeah, no, I mean, the, the baby strollers, you know, the technology is so cool out there. I know even my kids, you know, they still talk about the sounds uh, of the stroller. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was pushing them, cool. them in, in, in these uh, strollers, you know, they, they said, you know, the feet hitting the ground and the breath. It, it relaxed them and it was kind of cool. Huh. It, it's kind of cool to hear that now from a 15 year old. So yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. I mean, that's a cool thing, you know, Joe and myself and, you know, it's funny. You, you can never really ever erase the grit uh, out from a person. You just, you always want to just go out and put in a good effort. So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. As business and running, uh, it just, it, it keeps rolling, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I'm sure your team, uh, Veracity, feels like, oh, wow, they're very fortunate to have you having gone through all of this experience. Um, and, you know, I think what we try to do always with this podcast, this idea of chasing tomorrow, you know, is something that I used to say on the stage at the end of a presentation, which was come chase tomorrow with me, you know, that in fact, it, we can make tomorrow better than today. That's sort of, I think, the nature of sort of how humans are different than any other species that lives on the planet. We, we, we believe that we can continue to develop and grow and take on more because it's hard to imagine, you know, what's happening, right? Whether it's business or personal or athletics. And so, um, so do you have uh, your chasing tomorrow outlined, Ali? Anything? big for you? I mean, you've already yeah. done so much here. <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, I guess that, well, there are, there are a lot of things, but I think, um, you know, when it comes to, to veracity and just my, you know, professional and personal goals related to that, I think I love what you said. And what I always like think to myself is it's all about progress. Um, and so while I say, you know, I have this business plan, I say, I want to achieve this by this date and, and have X number of customers and sales and all that stuff. I, I don't ever want to be in a place where for me or my team is comfortable because the cool thing about what we're doing is like, there's always more to learn. Like I look at the world of like women's hormonal health. And like, while there is some great research and resources that I wish all women had access to, um, there quite frankly, isn't enough. Um, and so, you know, it's, um, the part of something cool and really using like real health data is like, we're going to help hopefully be able to contribute to those learnings, uh, both through what we do. And then also working with the right academic, um, you know, research oriented institutions. We're actually giving a portion of all of our test kit sales to sort of advancing women's hormonal health at a larger scale to say like, we, we have a lot of insights, but like, there's so much more we can learn about the intricacies between these connections and how to really tie what you eat to what, how it affects your hormones. And, um, so I guess what I would say is my tomorrow is just to, you know, in five years from now to, to really be like, wow, we made a contribution to this and we're helping to make, you know, women's lives and, um, better because of it. You know, I just want to make one more comment on that. Cause it's important. I have two daughters who are adults now in, uh, you, know, you learn a lot when you're the only guy in a family of four. And yeah, you know, that I found is that there are parts of life that are just really natural and normal. And we sort of try and ignore them. Like, you know, I don't know, many yeah. of us runners have thought about when we have to go to the bathroom and there are no bathrooms or you go to a place and like, no, you can't use our bathroom. I'm like what? <laughs> What's the yeah. big deal? I just literally have right. to go to the bathroom. Like, this is like the most natural thing, but in the, in women's health, there are some parts of women's health that we don't talk about and we try and ignore them, but they're real. And so what you're doing yeah. is really important because we can't put stuff, you know, under the basket and hope that things get better. We have to bring the light to them and have yeah. real conversations that are based in experience and research and fact, so that then maybe we'll talk more so we can help more people because that sort of, you know, monkey see with the no eyes is just not a good thing for us to do. And so I just feel like it's great what you're doing. And, you know, we're glad you came on the podcast because we need to hear yeah. more stories like yours. And we just want to cheer you on as you go and build this company and have positive effect on lots of people's lives. So thanks for that. Well, thank you for having me. And um, I really appreciate your support. And and uh, and I'm definitely going to take you over the training training offer uh, uh, when 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 absolutely. the right time comes back. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Allie. It was an absolute pleasure. Yes. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of the day. We'll talk soon. Talk okay, soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Dave. It's so fun to have a different kind of special person on the show. Allie shared so much of her story. It was hard not to feel what her journey's been like. I do think that talking about topics that are not in the common language of our community is really important. And if any of us needed inspiration, we can certainly take it from Allie. She seems to just do it all, a role model for sure. And well, there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Performance Tea. 
You can find them on www.performancetea.com and they've given us a discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20 at checkout. And we would greatly appreciate it if you could follow us on Instagram and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would just be awesome. As always, a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks. Thanks.